Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're talking Friday the 13th on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you as close as we can from Camp Crystal Lake. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of Friday the 13th in the hopes that a camp counselor's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust to help me get directions from a dog, the one and the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I'm I'm swell. I'm I, how are you? I'm excellent. I I can't wait to get started. This week we have a couple of dandies. Actually, they're not. Neither of these people are dandies. I think Annie is stoned the entire time. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Friday the Thirteenth. We've discussed the first two deaths in the uh, in this particular movie's storied history, and we're now moving on to death three and four. And we move to the quote unquote modern day here with Annie, um, who is the proposed cook of the newly to be reopened Camp Crystal Lake. And we meet Annie coming into what could be described as some sort of Dickensian version of New Jersey. Oh, no, I, I there's definitely parts of New Jersey that actually look like that. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I always assume that it's supposed to take place somewhere in the Pine Barrens, which uh, if you go to the Pine Barrens, it's, you know, I, I hate to resort to, to cliches, but it's, it's very possible you'll hear banjos playing somewhere. <laughs> I mean, everybody, when people, when people think of New Jersey, they tend to think of like the opening credits to The Sopranos, mm-hmm. you see the, the Garden State Parkway, sure. in you know, the Manhattan skyline off in the distance, but there is a very large section of New Jersey that's very rural mm-hmm. and very uh, de- depressed, I guess, both depressing and depressed. Well, uh, it quickly becomes almost sort of Pennsylvania very quickly, where there's vast expanses of incredibly green land. Like right. everywhere you look, it is just bathed in bright green, as opposed to here in Los Angeles, where everywhere you look, it is brown. It the, So it is very, very green in New Jersey. There's a lot of wooded areas. It seems very tick infested. Annie comes into town and she decides the very first thing that she does is ask a dog for directions. <laughs> this is what leads me to believe that Annie is high as a kite. Or she's just, you know, a, a quirky free spirit who possibly is also still high. Yes, she very well could be a quirky free spirit, but she's also stoned out of her damn gourd. Uh, she's wearing the most amount of clothes you could possibly wear on a summer's day. <laughs> she's got strapped to every part of her. She's wearing everything that she owns that she didn't leave in the van that's going around uh, following the dead that particular summer. <laughs> Um, and Annie then, after not getting the answers that she wanted from a dog, walks into what could only be described as the Red Herring Cafe because it's populated by an entire group of people who look at her like they want to murder her. 
Yeah, this is this is some straight up David Lynch shit here because yes. I you really expect the 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 you know, the, the theme to Twin Peaks to be playing when she when she walks in there. Mm-hmm. Is every you know, everybody sitting there is just kind of shady and, and yes. grimy and just eyeing her like a chicken fried steak. Uh, yeah, they really are immediately set off. Like, what? what is this person whose name, last name, and business I don't know is come into this cafe? Who are you? She asks, hey, I'm going up to Camp Crystal Lake. Does anyone know how I can get there? And that the immediate response is, you mean Camp Blood? Now, Gina... If you are working at a place, let's just say it's an office park, and you ask for directions from the local Starbucks, and the person behind the counter said, oh, you mean office park blood? <laughs> would you continue driving there? Well, you know, I, I, I would probably you know, at least you know, want to ask, like, where did, it, where did it get this name? Could you maybe you know, give, me a little, give me a little background story on this and... <laughs> Yeah, I, I would definitely, this would definitely be a situation where I would require more information. She does get it, but she, she never really, she asked for it eventually, but it doesn't come out right away. The owner or proprietor of this particular cafe who is lorded over by the most giant man with a broom. <laughs> and then the proprietor goes, oh, Enos, you're going towards the, uh. That's the truck driver's name. And he looks like an Enos. Um, outside of the Enos on Dukes of Hazard, he's the only other Enos I, I can really remember. And she goes, you're going to the crossroads. Why don't you take her? And this seems to be, it's like, well, sure. I'm done with my coffee. Let's go get into my ratty truck and I will take you to the crossroads. Nothing, and on nothing, the way, nothing, nothing possibly dangerous or, or, you know, potentially rapey about this situation. Here, let this shady-looking stranger you take take you in his in his serial killer truck to Camp Blood. Yes, you've already been informed of where you're going, Camp Blood. Now this person you don't know is going to take you there, and I don't know how anyone in the '70s survived hitchhiking. I just don't know. It seems insanely dangerous and yet people do it all the time in the media that you see from this particular era um so they take off uh, to get into enos's truck enos enos goes are all the camp counselors as good looking as you which she doesn't know and if that's flirting enos walk it back a notch That's not going to get you anywhere. Along the way, we meet Ralph, or as he's affectionately known, Crazy Ralph. This is strike number two. You come into town. You don't know where you're going. You're told where you are going as a nickname called Camp Blood. And then along the way, you meet a guy whose nickname is Crazy. And unless it's because he does a lot of donuts in the church parking lot, (laughs) I would back off from that. Yeah. I just would. But I'm a scaredy cat. Uh, Crazy Ralph then does his, you know, he makes a pronouncement that that place, quote unquote, has a death curse. 
It's got a death curse. And then he rides away on his bike with the most amazing posture I've ever seen of a person riding a bike. Yeah, this is like this is like he he you know has he grew up with someone poking a pencil or a ruler into his back over and over again. Yes, absolutely. He, like he he to reference Mr. Science Theater three thousand, which might become a motif here. Uh, he's a posture pal. <laughs> I look at him and I go, well, there's a there's a loser who's probably drunk all the time. Uh, he lives in a hovel, but he has better posture than I ever will. And I'm, I kind of feel lesser for it. He, he's, um, winning, he, he's winning in, in one area of his life, at least. Absolutely. Uh, now, here's the, here's the question. Now, here's the question. Mm-hmm. How much money, how much do you think Annie is making as the camp cook? That wow. she that she's just going to basically blow off you know, you can't blood and you know pe- pe- you know, people acting like acting and looking like characters in eraser head. <laughs> I mean, how much could she possibly be making slinging around you know two gallon cans of chocolate pudding and and you know making Lots of beans. yeah making shit on the shingle every morning? Right. You know, what could she be making? Thirty dollars a week. I mean, it's yeah, like, probably. You know, you know, go you know hitchhike till you could find a job at the local Kmart. This is this is, <laughs> this is just you know this was the this was the late seventies. You you could still you know find a job you know waiting tables or working at a store that might you know pay for an efficiency apartment. You know, she's made some sort of bargain with the devil, and she's very adamant. Plus. She could give a rat's ass. This is part of the sort of the feeling that I get why she's super stoned because she doesn't believe anything anybody says. If you tracked it, like every other line of hers basically equates to, come on, man. And that's it over and over again. Like, and she's, you're full of shit. She's very determined to to get to this job and and yes. this is this is not a job one gets excited about. This this is a job that one takes after they've been recently released from prison. Yes. And maybe she has. We don't really know all of her backstory. She Well, well you know, the interesting thing is is considering how fast she is killed off mm-hmm. the 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 other than other than Alice the the movie spends the most time quote unquote developing her character yes you, that you is know, true she is sort of interestingly set up as though she might be the final girl and then it's just unceremoniously killed off which I'm not sure if that was done on purpose to sort of not that it's really setting the audience up for a false sense of security because the idea of the final girl was still pretty new at this point yes but you know it it does make you wonder if they had intended that particular character to be the heroine or the final girl or you want to call it or they felt that this was some sort of psycho like um you switch them up where Ah. you're going to become invested in Annie and then and then go, oh, well, if they just killed off the person we spent the most amount of time with, who's my age, I don't trust this movie at all. <laughs> that's that's you know what? I think I, I think I like your theory. I think your theory is the most plausible. Yes. Uh, and if this had, if this movie had come out in 82 or 83, I think that gag might have worked a little bit better yeah. because the tropes would have been immediately more set whereas coming out in 1980 there's not a lot of movies in between halloween and here 
to set up the idea of a final girl or who you, but that being said, you've had a prologue. The first person you meet after the prologue generally is someone you're going to be around a while. And Annie is not that. Uh, She's driven off to the crossroads, both literally and figuratively, by Enos, who uh, gets her into the truck using the cupping your whole ass method. (laughs) Just And she's still totally cool with this. Yeah, this is fine. This is worth getting to my my $30 a week camp cook job. I don't think this is the first time Annie's ass has been cupped. (laughs) Nor do I believe this is the first time that Annie has used an ass or grass method to get from point A to point B. Well, they know what they say. Nobody rides for free. No. And no, she pays. She pays with her life. Bum, bum, bum. But not with Enos. Enos tries to talk her out of this. And this is where we get a sequence of, of her going, come on, man. As he tells her that a kid drowned in 57. Two counselors died in 58. There's been a, quote-unquote, whole bunch of fires. Uh, They tried to open it up one year, and the water was bad. And so he's basically saying, quit. Quit now. This is a bad idea. You're young and dumb. So millennials. Come, Come home with me. Listen here. This is not new. This is evidence. Every older generation thinks you're dumb. Every single one. It's happened to all of us. It'll happen to your kids if they live long enough. Every older generation thinks the one that's coming up underneath them by one or two steps is fucking idiots. And, and sadly, there's there's probably an equal amount of ass cupping going going on these days. <laughs> these days, ass company ass cupping is just something that happens in elementary school. I don't know. Um, Rainbow parties and whatnot. Uh, what other angry old person tropes can I bring up? Uh, complaining, so Complaining about selfies. Complaining about selfies. Sure. <laughs> All you think about is yourself. Put down that phone and start living life. Uh, don't put down that phone. Don't start living life. Listen to the Kill by Kill podcast. Because uh, she gets left off at the crossroads we do a whole bunch of meeting everybody else which is really only five or six other characters but a whole lot of time happens where we're meeting other people who are also at the camp we're seeing them interact and then we come back to annie still walking aimlessly and she's picked up by a stranger in a jeep this is the same type of jeep that we will later see steve christie driving so he irrationally, well, no, they, the other characters talk about how he's taken off. So he could have taken off in the Jeep conceivably and murdered Annie. So he's a legit red herring. Right. All right. I'm going to give him that. Steve is a legit red herring to a degree. Uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it makes a little bit of sense. And that's all you need. She's picked up by a person in a Jeep, uh, That person whizzes by Camp Crystal Lake. She goes, hey, you got to let me off. That person just speeds up. And then she does a tuck and roll out of a moving Jeep into a ditch. And it looks painful. In terms of stunts, that doesn't look easy. Mm -mm. I am not at this moment in my life ready to do a tuck and roll out of a moving Jeep. Is anybody really, I mean, is is anybody prepared? That's like one of those things where... 
an ordinary person does it and then miraculously minutes later they're able to just get up and dust themselves off and keep walking <laughs> I, I mean I, I think that like normal people would just just kind of just lay there for a little while like after they're done rolling they would just kind of you know lay there groaning and possibly oh, no, I would and- I would not be getting up <laughs> I I would literally I would uh all the air would be taken out of my lungs I would just be cursing myself. And these are the things that I now have to consider every time I take an Uber. I Can I jump out of this movie vehicle? Uh, this is a real thing we have to be worried about now. So she jumps out. The Jeep stops. There's a pretty long run through the forest, which there's zigs, there's zags. She falls and twists her ankle because 80s horror movie, she has to twist her ankle. Yeah, somehow she's she, not wearing high heels, but... Uh, that's the only thing she isn't wearing. She's wearing every other item of clothing conceivable. <laughs> and then she backs up to a tree so that she can see everything in front of her. And then she gets her throat slashed. Yeah, it's a, this is probably like... I, I think that generally speaking, other than um, than Jack's death a little later in the film, this is this is probably the most brutal one because it does resemble a little bit. It's kind of a little snuff filmish. Yes. Because I mean, as far as the acting is concerned, mm-hmm. she's she's not great, but she's she's trying, which is which is which is more than can be, can be said for a lot of uh, a lot of the actors in both this one and in and in and in further. Uh, further uh, entries in the series her panic does ring true that yeah. that's for certain in this particular sequence you you get the sense that she is in in real fear for her life and it's a little you know that she kind of you know again like as a, as a pattern we mentioned in the last one that of the characters initially just sort of limply giving up and accepting their doom she does do that but also just seems to be you know I don't know. There's just something about it that it's, it, it's more bothersome, I guess. I guess because she looks so <laughs> she looks so sad about it, which is she like, definitely does look sad about right. it. It's I, like I, it's like oh shit, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, it's like dying in the woods in New Jersey. You know? Yeah, I think that's some of it. I mean, who wants their life to be summed up dying in the woods in New Jersey? Right. When you're I mean, unless to- you're a mobster, you know that's coming eventually. Right. And when you're, you know, all because you're trying to get to your $30 a week camp cook job. It's a lot to die for. Um, I Some of it is that the killer here, and spoiler alert for a movie that came out 36 years ago at the time of this recording, <laughs> uh, Mrs. Voorhees is not like the later iterations of the Voorhees family. She is not a power player. She is sneaky as fuck. And she takes people by surprise. You're looking right. She comes at you left. That's how it goes with her because she is not physically intimidating. She has to kind of be a bit of a middle-aged white lady ninja. And so... The idea of like backing yourself up to a tree so you can see an almost 180 degrees or more around you is a decent enough idea. She just didn't know that this woman who's walking in some of the biggest boots you've ever seen in your life, and you will see them later, 
can walk on leaves without making a sound sneak up on you and cut you across the throat. Well, she's had, uh, she's so had we a get lot. That. She's, she's had a lot of time just sneaking around the woods to uh, True. to to you know, pick, picture out you know, find the best way to be stealthy. Right, well, much more practice than I ever would have had. Um, I don't. I have pine trees outside of my house, but I I don't have enough trees to really practice on stepping on dry leaves and not making a sound. It's a it's a great skill. She should put that on her resume. Um, it, it, it is definitely a, a a rapidly fading art, I think. <laughs> true. The young people today don't value that as a skill. They want to take their selfies. They want to listen to podcasts. Um, oh, God. It's quickly disseminated, just uh, devolving as we speak. Uh, so Annie gets her throat slashed. We got the first real bloody um, appliance here of the uh, entire series where you're getting a bit of a magic trick. Her uh, gulping helps uh, and stretching her neck helps open up the wound and we get some fake blood out of it. It looks outside the fact that you can kind of see the slice before it happens is a decent enough magic trick for the time. It's a little. Uh, be- it's a little better than than Barry spitting out shoot up Twizzlers and in, uh, in, yes, the, in the in the, the first sure. the opening scene. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so goodbye, Annie. R.I.P.D. Um, we will see her again. Her her limp, lifeless body is uh, stacked in Mrs. Voorhees' jeep, which like fire, like firewood, <laughs> like some, like some, like like cans you've collected from other people's recycling cans. Um, uh, so now we move back um, to the main group where at this point we've met pretty much everybody. You've got Alice, you've got Steve, uh, you've got Marcy, you've got Jack, um, you've got Brenda. I'm sure Phyllis, uh, Joe Bob, I can't remember all of their names off the top of my head. There's so many people dying in these movies; it's hard to keep track of them. That's why we're helping you. And, they, and, they, make, inter- and they, 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 and generally, they make virtually no impression on you whatsoever, no. except you know the 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 jokester and the the virginal girl. You know, the couple that can't keep their hands off each other for you know, more than five minutes at a time. Yes. And Ned is attached to one of those couples. He is both the jokester and the third wheel to Jack and Marcy. Um, He is introduced basically openly wondering whether or not there'll be girls as good looking as Marcy there. And she goes, is all you ever think about sex? And his reply is, no, sometimes I just think about kissing women. (laughs) And I think maybe Ned might be covering up for something. <laughs> That's just not a response that I buy. No, ne- no. Necessarily. Uh, Ned, throughout the rest of his time in the film, is spent horsing around or doing goof-em-ups. Yeah, he, Ned is the, the the jokester of the group. There's yes, one in he's the prankster. There's virtually one in in every one of the movie every one of the movies. They are always yes. the character that the audience is happiest when they are brutally killed, because 
let's face it, no one wants to be stuck in a cabin out in the middle of the woods with a guy who is constantly playing jokes. He's a prankster. Look, I'm pretending to be hanging from a tree. That's hilarious. Look, I look like I've just committed suicide. Why don't you love me yet? And, um, yeah. and the interesting The only thing, thing that makes it work for George Clooney is he looks like George Clooney. Otherwise, even like fuck that guy with his constant pranks that's the only thing that makes it worthwhile for him and ned is like that he's dressing up as an indian he's pretending to drown he's useless when a snake is in your cabin he is kind of a useless prankster he's 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 awful and I, i i am actually disappointed that you don't get to see his character killed um mm-hmm. one thing i did observe while while doing mm-hmm. a little research on this movie that was troubling <laughs> yes or yeah and that's what's troubling is baffling okay is <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, I'm waiting the um some of the characters most of them aren't are not given the courtesy of having a last name mm-hmm. the, in the credits uh you know because you know fuck it they're gonna die they're gonna die eventually anyway mm-hmm. but ned it does have a last name Okay. And his last name is Rubenstein. Now, okay. when we have, we will skip it now. This will be a little while, but when we eventually get to part three, mm-hmm. there is another character who is the joke up the prankster, the goofy guy mm-hmm. of the movie. That oh, is yeah. that is Shelley. Yes. Now, Memorably Shelley. Now, Shelley's last name is Finkelstein. Oh, <laughs> so, no. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to wonder if there's some sort of you know Jewish trickster motive, motif I'm, I'm not aware of here. Um, Please, well, no, don't write into us if you've heard of some sort of trend of Jewish pranksters and their need to be eradicated in really <laughs> awful ways. Oh no, Friday the Thirteenth. I, I don't want. I don't want to give them. I don't want to give them too much credit for trying to go into some sort of Jewish folklore for for uh, for these movies. I just think it's some. I think it's just a weird coincidence, uh-huh. but that these these atrocious characters are you know are both men of Hebraic origin. Oh and, no! And and you're probably the characters that the audience gets the most delight in seeing them killed off. And at least with, I'm I'm pretty sure you do see. Shelly get killed on screen, which is yes, you do. Yeah, yeah, which is which is. Oh no, I don't know that you do. I think I'm you lo- see the end result of it. I'm looking at his wiki. Uh, yes. Which oh no 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 he uh okay we don't see him. We see the aftermath where he is di- he we see him dying. Yes. But we don't actually see and face the, and injure him. And the girl who discovers him thinks that he's playing a joke. Right, I think and, my, I think my favorite thing about the wiki, the wiki page for him mm-hmm. is that it lists known relatives: Walter Finkelstein, father, and his mother, Mrs. Finkelstein. <laughs> <laughs> it it seemed almost destiny that she ended up married to Mr. Finkelstein. When you think about it, oh dear, oh my goodness. Well, that is quite a revelation that I did not see coming. I also feel okay. You know, never mind. We'll we'll get to Shelley when we get to. Point three. <laughs> yeah, please. Just, That'll so, be an episode unto itself. The character Shelley is just you know a wonderful gift to to be to be you know to be slowly opened. 
<laughs> much, like, much like he was in the movie, eventually. Yes, very slowly opened, much to his dismay. Uh, so Ned, another person who will, we presume, slowly be opened around the neck. He's, uh, yeah, he's the prankster. Um, the one part that I really love with Ned is uh, when he shows up in full uh, uh, unfortunate Native American uh, drag, uh, complete with his Miami Dolphins uh, jersey tied around his midsection. Uh, and then a bike cop rolls in for absolutely no reason. Jack rolls in. He immediately thinks everyone is high, which may or may not be true. Uh, and Jack goes, hey, nice bike. And the cop goes, hey, would you just walk off a spaceship? <laughs> and he's like, what? He's like, so what have you been smoking? Colombian gold, res, hash, the weed. Like, res? What is that? I've never heard of Colombian gold before. Um, we need we need to stop and point out that that the the cop in the sea which I am, which I am, which I am, which I am going to be relying on a lot for this yeah. is named Officer Dorf. <laughs> Officer Dorf. Like as in on golf. Yeah, of the of the on golf family of Dorfs. Um, the only other thing I know about that bike cop is he had never ridden on a motorcycle before that, that scene. And like any good actor, when he was asked ahead of time, if you ever ridden a motorcycle, he said, yes, he never practiced. And so when he rides off, he practically falls off the fucking thing. It's like, uh, when, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, when they, when he goes to the biker bar, they, they give him the bike and to, to, to continue his trip to Hollywood. He like drives, yes. he drives into the sign and immediately falls over. That's like one of my favorite scenes. Uh, and he's like one second away from that happening. <laughs> um, uh, crazy Ralph shows up just hiding in the pantry for no damn reason at one point here. Um, and trying to, trying then, to find that, trying to find that two gallon, can, two, two gallon can of chocolate pudding. Yes. Well, it's tasty stuff. And if you can find it for free, man free chocolate pudding who turns that down uh then eventually night comes or early sunset and uh jack and marcy uh as we have seen them from moment one are just waiting for an excuse to run off and bang uh in a in a camp cot and ned kicks rocks <laughs> and down by the shore and just wanders off and then he looks at a cabin and that's the last we see him until uh, we find him later. While Jack and Marcy are having sex, he is in, his body is in the bunk above them, bleeding out because his throat has been slashed. Well, yeah, that's just, that's just you know sometimes you you people add a little incense, little Depeche Mode music. Yeah, Jack and Marcy <laughs> ha, ha, have the have the corpse of their their possible frenemy. I mean, I really can't see how anybody could really enjoy spending time with this guy, but just exsanguating you and you're just a mere six feet or so above their heads yeah it's it's a bit of a stretch to be certain um that you would not smell it that you would that it would not that you you i mean people get up marcy at one point walks off to go to the bathroom she doesn't see the body but then again you know, she just had sex with Jack, and that that'll take a lot out of you. She's just. Uh, in that but we'll of, get to that. She's, she's in that blind, that. blinding afterglow. Yes. Of sex well. with Kevin Bacon. Mm. 
just thinking about it now, I, I can't think about anything else. But we have to because we've come to the point in our podcast that we we, we try to do every single time. Um, and that is, would you rather, Gina Radcliffe, would you rather be uh, have your throat slashed in the middle of the Jersey woods or would you have your throat slashed and have your body deposited on the top bunk of where people are screwing on the bottom? Uh, you know, I'm going to have to go with the latter because Annie's death was just really prolonged mm-hmm. and, you know, from the whole, you know, just kind of you know, being sort of menaced by everybody in the diner and then Enos being creepy and then, and then you know, her killer, which obviously we know is Mrs. Voorhees. I, I yeah, I mean, it's possible that uh, that 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 you know that um Ned went hard, but we don't really know. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, I'm, gonna uh, I'm gonna take the benefit of the doubt and and just say that she just came up behind him and just you know, took him out quick. Yeah, I'm gonna back your play on this. I don't believe that Ned, quote unquote, went out hard. <laughs> um, I. <laughs> I just don't think that he's kind of that kind of guy. I think he was lured into a place. He was taken by surprise. Uh, I don't want my body to be discovered while people are having sex. Well, no, but I, I mean, think, but you know, I you're think gonna be, you're going to be dead anyway. So what does it matter? Well, there's, you know, my family to think about. I, 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 well, I, no one was I'm going to go with, with I'm going to go with Ned as well. I am going to choose Ned as well. I'm going to back your play here. I think, Dying, well aware of what's happening in the middle of the woods is a scarier death. So I, at being um, the, you know, the yellow belly that I am, I'm going to choose, I'm going, I'm going to choose Ned's departure from this world. <laughs> Goodbye, Ned. R.I.P.D. Okay, so this uh, brings us to the end of yet another wonderful kill by kill podcast uh gina uh, i apologize uh the previous episode i forgot to ask where people could find you on the internet and by that i mean the stuff that you produce not actually your address <laughs> well i uh i write about 70s and 80s television uh relevant point the most well it won't be the most recent post by the time people listen to this but i did recently write about a tv movie featuring uh, the the one of the stars of Friday Thirteenth, a Mr. Kevin Bacon, uh-huh. in, a, in a as if there were any other stars in this movie besides <laughs> Kevin Bacon. But right, uh, he was in a uh, couple years after this movie, he was in a movie called The Demon Murder Case, mm. uh, which is uh, a based on a true story um, centered around N. Lorraine Warren, which lets you know right away that it is not in fact a true story. Oh, yeah. uh, but you can read that plus much more. Um, at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. Oh, people, check it out. Okay, if you would like to reach out to us, there's a good way to do it. Uh, we have a Gmail. It's called uh, killbykillpod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think uh, about these characters, about Friday the 13th in particular. That would be awesome. You can reach out to us on Twitter at killbykillpod. And hey, you got a whole hundred and... 40 characters just let loose on us if that's your deal. Anyways, uh, 
If you have something very nice uh, to say about us, we'd love for you to rate review us on iTunes. That'll help us get heard and seen by more people. That would be fantastic. So until next time, when the body count continues for myself and for Gina, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Kill by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.